0: Hello there everybody and welcome back to another episode of Queen Chats, the last episode of 2021. I was thinking what age are we right now, what year are we? Um, So before we continue, of course there are trigger warnings which will be listed on the top of this episode, so if you're not feeling that strong, please skip ahead or come back to this later um, because the last thing you want to do is trigger you, but of course with Queen Chats it's an honest talk into the world of pageantry with different pageant queens about their experiences of mental health and you can take two things out of this sometimes it will be you know comfort that you're not alone in the situation and sometimes there is um, an educational point a learning curve um and uh yes so uh if we could just have the lovely lady in front of me introduce her name and her title for me
1: yeah yeah of course so i'm jordan louise smith Miss Jarden and I'm your young European international Miss Edinburgh
0: so of course finals aren't too far along now we are tripping away away from 2021 and hopefully 2022 will be an amazing crowning year for you Uh, (laughs) full of good things Uh, so of course we are here to talk about mental health so talk to me about your mental health journey and as little as much as you would like
1: so I guess my mental health journey started extremely young age. Um, before I even sort of really realised, uh, I, as a bit of context, I have suffered with an eating disorder since I was about three years old. Um, th- that is avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, otherwise known as ARFID, which is in very simplified terms, a phobia of food. Um Obviously, eating disorders in themselves are a mental illness. They are a mental health condition. Uh, You know, maybe people don't think about it that way because of the physical effects that eating disorders have on you. But, yeah, so that was, I guess, where mine started. Um, And I've suffered with that my entire life. It's something I'm still dealing with now and something that I am most likely going to be dealing with until the day I die. Um, That is sort of a bit of a sad reality but it is what it is and I just have to get through it but the effects that that eating disorder had on the rest of my mental health is really where I I struggled um so as I say from a young age it is a phobia of food there are very very limited foods that I would actually eat which had a huge impact on my social life um, and the relationships I could form with people, because, you know, a lot of social events, a lot of social interactions will involve going out for some sort of food and drinks. You know, my eating disorder also stems into drinks because of certain textures. Um, and there are like, that in itself, that limited sort of interaction that I could have because of that, um, really isolated me from a lot of people it made me really lonely and I mean as a young child and I'm saying that young like junior school like primary school age that can obviously have like a huge huge toll when you aren't being invited to birthday parties because you know it's going out for a meal and they know that Jordan wouldn't be able to come so we're just not going to invite her um or, you know, you would go to another type of party where they'd have, like, sandwiches and stuff out, and I'd do everything, like, the actual party, whether that was, you know, swimming or playing or whatever it was, but then it had come to sit down for the food, and I would just be sat there with nothing in front of me, having to watch people around me eat foods that I was, honestly, like, physically repulsed by. Um, I've got a lot better with seeing other people eat now like the f- foods that I don't eat that's something I can manage a lot more obviously that I've had to deal with really um as I've got older but yeah that had a really big toll on me as a person and it basically turned me into just a massive people pleaser um I just wanted to, everything that I did get offered I just said yes like well obviously not food wise but any experience anything that I got offered I would just say yes to I couldn't say no to anything um I just wanted to be involved and I wanted to do everything for everyone to try and make them happy Uh, and that is something that spanned most of my young and adolescent life. Um, When I was in sixth form it was something that was still sort of ongoing and I actually ended up hospitalising myself at the age of 17 because I'd had a burnout like I just had a complete mental burnout that had then taken real physical tolls on me like I had cysts in my stomach and my ovaries that were all just caused by stress um you know there were a lot of a lot of things sort of running up to that and yeah I hospitalised myself during over my exam period because everything had just got far too much for me and I think it was at that point that my family and myself realised that you know the amount of when I was saying I was stressed um you know the common thing was like no you're not you're just like you you've got you've got your studies you're doing this you're that it's like stress is a really big thing like the word is thrown about too much which I agree with to be honest like it is people say they're stressed a lot um but the word is thrown about like actual stress as a disorder disorder um and I was saying that and it was only at that point that people maybe realize like actually no you know she has 16 years old and this is, this is the situation that we're currently in um, and it was just purely because I'd massively overwhelmed myself so I cut back a lot on stuff and I did really well in my studies and then I went off to university which was another turning point um, more so for my eating. I moved into uni halls and I was sharing a kitchen with 11 other people. So there was 12, including myself. Obviously at this point I was still, and I mean, I still am, was not eating very much at all, like variety wise. I I wasn't restricting really the quantity of food I would eat. Um, It was more just the actual variety. So I would have, my plate would be the same size as any other person's. It's just, there would be large amounts of the same food rather than having a variety on the plate. Um, and it didn't take long obviously for the people I lived with to notice that I was eating the same food day in day out the same meals every single day Um, and instead of just accepting that like nice people would they made comments and remarks daily about me eating the same thing day in day out Um, and they started commenting on how the food that I was eating was perceived to be extremely unhealthy um you know because it was a lot of like processed food because that was sort of what I can deal with essentially but yeah so they were making a lot of comments about the food that I was eating and my eating habits um when I was eating how much I was eating wondering how I you know wasn't getting really overweight when I was just eating unhealthy stuff but then also at the same time saying you don't eat very much so why aren't you super skinny um and they'd also you know maybe like tamper with my food by putting just like you know they'd put seasonings in it like they'd put pepper or they'd put like onion salt or they'd put garlic and things like that on on my food um them not realizing like just thinking it's a a bit of a funny joke um trying to spice it up for me um but the actual effects of that were my already very limited diet just got even more limited because they were making foods that I considered safe unsafe for me now um and that then led to me completely isolating myself I used to you know, skip a lot of meals purely so that I didn't have to see them in the kitchen. Um, And when I did make food, I would do it at like ungodly hours. I would be making my breakfast at like 4am and then going back to bed. I would be cooking my tea after they'd all gone for a night out at sort of like 11, 12 o'clock at night. And I would eat in my bedroom so that it would be a case of I'm cooking. I'm gonna scurry up and take my plate to my room. Um, eat and then clear up so that nobody can touch it nobody can do anything and nobody can make comments Um, and it was sort of after a long time of that like nearly nearly a full uni year like of me doing that and then I realized that like this isn't right like I want to get help for the way that I am with food I never really thought much about the whole isolating myself. Like I put all of that down to I'm only doing this because I don't like food and I don't like them making comments about my food. And I'd put everything down to this eating disorder. Um, And so that's when I went to my GP at the time um, for help. And I was essentially well, no, I was explicitly told that, yes, obviously you have an eating disorder, but you weigh too much to be trep for one um they then swiftly corrected themselves by saying they meant I was a normal healthy weight uh obviously realizing that what they just said was far far from appropriate to tell someone that suffers with an eating disorder or just anyone in general really um and they agreed to give me send me for counseling they referred me over to the NHS system um I can't remember what it was called. It was called like first step, something like that. It's the one for like young adults. So when you're too old for CAMS, but you're younger, like you're too young for just the adult mental health service. Um, and I went along to that. And it was when I got there that they sort of told me that, oh yeah, so you've got generalised anxiety disorder and depression. And that really took me back. because I was like, wait, no, I don't. Like, I've come here because I've got an eating disorder. I've got problems with eating and food. I was like, I don't have those things. And she was like, well, that's what we're here to treat. She was like, we can't treat anything else. Um, And I think I maybe had like three sessions before I gave up. uh, Because in my head at that time, I was like, I cannot possibly be depressed. I can't have anxiety. You know, I've grown up in a household where my sister has suffered with her mental health really severely for most of my life like since she was sort of like 13 14 years old um I've been through my mum has suffered with depression and stuff in the past and I was like I was then comparing myself to them and I was like I'm not like that I'm not that bad I can't I don't have depression I was like because I'm not like them you know um my sister didn't leave the house she actually has agoraphobia so she didn't leave the house and I was just like how can you possibly tell me that I have the same conditions as her because I am so much better i mean i'm i'm using invert like i'm doing the thing with my fingers right now um but i'm so much better than her i'm not as unwell so i can't i can't feel like that so i went a long time just not accepting that i was unwell and just sort of muddling through myself but then not really getting through anything because i was still in the exact same situation as i had been until maybe about two and a half years later when I moved into a flat on my own I moved away from everybody that I knew like 200 miles away um to go to for a job and yeah I was on my own and in my head I was like that's going to be so much better because no one's going to make comments like no one's going to do anything I'm just cooking for myself and I'm you know and I kind of figured the food and I was like, I'm going to be in a professional environment and like my work colleagues aren't going to care if I'm eating the same thing every day, which in all fairness, they don't No one at work has ever called me out on the fact that I take the same meals. And well, I don't now cause COVID, but no one ever called me out on the fact that my, my lunches I would take in every day with the same because people meal prep. And so they just kind of figured, you know, it's, it's normal. Um, But I swiftly realized that things weren't actually getting any better at all. In fact, if anything, they were getting worse because the few people that I had around me that I could speak to and vent to and see to cheer myself up, I didn't have. They were all miles away. Um, And so it was then I went back to my, I decided I was going to go back to my GP and like I'd spoken to my mom and I was like, yeah, I need to get something. Like I can't, I can't do this. Like I was going to bed every night. Um crying and like I don't actually remember falling asleep, but I would wake up and my pillow was sodden. Like it was I'd just been crying all night in my sleep. Um, I would wake up and I was just like, I couldn't bring myself to get out of bed. The only thing that did was work Monday to Friday, and then it got to the weekend, and I would just spend the entire time in my bed, unless I had someone coming up to visit me or I was going back down to visit my family and friends. I was like, I wouldn't do anything because I just didn't get enjoyment out of anything. Uh and it was at that point I realized, wait, maybe, maybe what they said to me back then, like maybe that is actually, maybe it is an issue. Again, I didn't really think about the anxiety because I was like, I speak to everyone. No, I don't really care. Um, but now I'm realizing, you know, since speaking to multiple therapists, counsellors for a long time, um, I've realized that actually me wanting to speak to everyone and overshare and you know all of these things that's actually because of my anxiety (laughs) um but yeah so when I was living up in Edinburgh on my own I decided to go to my GP I beforehand like I wrote out like a page full of notes in my notepad and I was practicing in my flat what I was going to say to my GP so that I knew that what I wanted to get across and that I was going to get all of the important information across so that they could make the right judgment for me um and I took my notepad along with me like I had a wander down to my GP I got there I sat down I started speaking and you know with it before the second sentence had even finished I was I was bawling my eyes out like I couldn't stop it was uncontrollable and I feel like I don't say so like I was crying I was I was sobbing because I had absolutely no control over it it was just my eyes were leaking um mm. like I just couldn't I didn't have any control over it and that's sort of what I was experiencing for maybe like six months solidly I was like this is not right um and I I can't go on like this it was having impact on my relationship with my family um with my partner because I just I didn't want to speak to anyone um, you know, I wasn't have I wasn't phoning them. It was only via text because I didn't want to, I didn't want them to see or hear how upset I actually was. But yeah, that was having huge impacts on all of my relationships and sort of every aspect of my life. Um, so yeah, I, I got help. Uh, they tried me on a couple of different medications. I don't ever like to say, what specifically they were because what works for one person might not work for another and actually I didn't really find that either of what I was put on like the two different things that they tried me on I didn't find that either of them helped but I don't want me saying they didn't work for me to put someone else off trying them but I tried a couple of different medicated options whilst waiting to receive you know spoken therapy um and yeah as I said I didn't really see any any difference in that so I just told my doctor I asked if as soon as my counseling started I wanted to come off the tablets I didn't see any improvement um and I just didn't really want to be putting it into my body if it wasn't actually doing anything so I started counseling and then that was a very long sort of from winter of 2018 to me being moving home to England in summer 2019 and just transferring my counselling so it was continuous to being formally discharged from spoken counselling like my therapist in September of last year. Um, so you know it was a good like over two years of pretty much every single week um speaking which has done me the world of God. Like if anyone is ever debating it, like I really didn't think, you know, I couldn't tell my mom, I couldn't tell my boyfriend what I was going through. How on earth would I be able to tell a stranger? It made it so much easier. The fact that they didn't know me, they didn't know my life. They didn't know anyone else around me. They didn't care that, you know, my sister had it worse. They just wanted to know about me and how they could help me. Um, And knowing that what I said in that room on that call over COVID times was confidential and that they would only ever share if someone was at danger, Um, which, you know, might be kind of scary to think about them telling someone else if you think you're at risk of hurting yourself. I was like, but they are only doing that because they care about you. And like my counsellors, honestly, the one, the lady that I had for the last 18 months was... Like an angel to me, like she was one of the like best people, and I was really lucky that I did actually click with her because previously, like when i the first few times like I had spoken to a couple of counselors, and I request a change because if you don't gel with them, if you can't speak to them, then they're not the person for you, and I think a lot of people don't realize that like you can ask for a different counselor, even if it's on the n h s if it's through charities. You can ask for someone else if you don't feel like you're benefiting from the person you're with. Um, If you don't, if your personalities clash, if your styles clash, then it's not going to help you. Um, And so, yeah, asking for someone else was one of the best things they ever did because the lady that I had in the end, I absolutely loved. And she helped me so much. Like a lot of stuff actually happened to me um, that I was sexually assaulted on a night out um and that was sort of in January of last year um when I was already going to counselling so the fact I already had that there like that happened to me at the weekend and sort of on the Wednesday of that week I was able to just tell my counsellor and start speaking about it straight away that was something that was incredibly incredibly helpful for me like really really um Important and stuff that happened to me years prior really sort of got dragged up. Um, and I realized how much of an effect, you know, stuff that happened to me when I was 12, 13 was still having on my life now. Like, I thought I was, I thought I moved past it way back then. Um, but apparently, like, it was still sitting in my subconscious and still sort of like eating away at me, which I didn't realize until we started to dive really deep. Um, so yeah, I, oh so much to that lady who I keep wanting to say a name, but I'm not going to do that. Um, I owe so much to my counsellor. That's one of the best decisions I ever made was actually finally accepting that I needed the help. Well, I mean, I guess that wasn't a decision, but yeah, finally accepting that I needed help and then making the decision to actively ask for it and find it. um, Because sadly, as much as I wish it was the case if you don't ask you're not going to get the help that you need um and that would be my sort of my message to anyone who's suffering with the mental health it's like you you need to reach out it is terrifying it is scary I know that I was like but it's never going to get any better unless you do that you you can't sit and fester on it yourself
0: yes I think you've kind of like answered all the questions I was going to ask you in the 20 minutes (laughs) sorry (laughs) But it's so true. I think I'm trying to think of the the points that you've made. Of It's so hard to go to the doctors when you have to admit there is a problem. Um, I mean, COVID has made some things easier because it's all telephone based. So you don't have to actually physically face that person. But you talked about therapy and you talked about things that, yes, we always dig up things that we didn't know that they were in because you kind of push them push them away um but no matter the severity of your mental health um comparing yourself to others you know by saying oh they have it worse than me so you know mine doesn't really matter as much it's the, that's not the case at all as everyone has mental health you know good or bad um it's so important to realize that no matter what you're going through like it's valid like your feelings are very valid with that um so would therapy be the biggest recommendation you'd help for people who are suffering with mental health
1: if you can get it 100 percent. i think like i say speaking to someone um you know sadly the nhs wait times now are extremely extremely long uh but even i think Having, when I, So when I was living in Scotland, sorry, the the counselling that I had was actually sort of private through a charity. So I was paying for that because they didn't offer for adults. There is no sort of specific mental health services on the NHS. Um, so the charities are really important. But I think having those, you know, I used to go when I was in Scotland, sort of every other week, every three weeks, because I couldn't afford to do it every week. But even just doing that was so so beneficial to me um and then obviously now you have so many charities and helplines and i'm actually a volunteer for a crisis line um myself i volunteer for a charity well an organization called shout which is one of the text services um where people text in when they're in crisis and i am one of the responders where i speak to people now um which is really really rewarding rewarding um so i think just speaking to someone if you can i mean i know not everyone has access to therapy but please don't think that those crisis lines are only for people that are on the brink of you know suicide if you're having suicide there are so so many people if you're just having a if you're having a bad day if you know you're being bullied or something's gone wrong at work if you're worried about your job if you're worried about your financials like people like myself and the volunteers we're, we're trained in that too you know I'm, I'm there more than happy to help and speak to people through any of those sort of situations not just people that are in full-on crisis and I think that's one of the things that people don't realize is that those those helplines are there for everyone not just yeah they call themselves crisis lines but it's not actually just You know, we want to try and catch it before you're at that stage. So if you text me when you're having a bad day, I would much rather that than, you know, you texting in saying that you want to end your life. Um, Trying to catch it sooner is obviously the better situation. And so if you're using those services, those helplines whilst waiting for counselling, like I would highly recommend that. Obviously, I'm not a trained counsellor, but I'm there to talk you through your issues. I am a mental health first aider. So that is something that, you know, I would also recommend to people if they can't access private counselling and if they're still waiting and waiting for, you know, NHS and for charities, then think about the other organisations that have people there to help, that want to help. Like I said, I volunteer my time and I do that because I want to help other people. It's not that I'm forced to be there.
0: Oh, well, that would be good that you're not forced to be there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's very true. We work. We were- the word crisis is always used um, as an extreme but crisis can be used for anything it it depends on how you view a crisis is it a bad day yes but that can then lead to so many different things it's you know it's that first breaking point to you know the whole house falling down you know you need that one little brick or I don't know I'm just thinking of houses now I'm not a builder (laughs) (laughs) bricks now don't they but I I was in my head I was visioning like a you know, a straw. You, know, you take a straw off, it all falls down. Like you know, yeah, like a Jenga. <laughs> if you take house.
1: that wrong Jenga cube, then you're done. Yep.
0: There you go. Yeah, it depends on how strong your house is, because you know, one one thing removed might not affect you, but it could affect someone else. Um, you know, and that's yeah,
1: <laughs> talking about. Yeah, it can be the smallest things that really just send people over the edge, because if you're already dealing with so so mm-hmm. much, um, and you're already being chipped away at from every angle the slightest inconvenience can really send you. And, I mean, I know that has definitely happened with me, like, to the extent of the, like, the light in my fridge went. um, Like, the light, and it was, that was all it was. It was, like, the light in my fridge went, but everything else had already started to, like, had been going wrong and wrong and wrong. And that just made me break down. Um, And it was that sort of realisation. I was like, Jordan, it is a light bulb. Like, that is extremely easy to change. Um, But that sort of made me realise, like, oh, damn, like, I need to... I need to figure out what's going wrong, and like, I need to spend time for myself and have time to focus on myself, like actual self care. I mean, my self care does normally involve like baths and face masks and stuff, but not just that, you know.
0: Just <laughs> the surface of it all, but yeah, actually, the mind self care for the mind, not just the body, mind, body, and soul. Um, with that, of course, you do compete in pageants. So it has um pageantry helped or hindered your mental health at all
1: i would honestly say both mm-hmm. um i think for a long time i i took like a, a six year break between competing like this is my my comeback essentially um and i think i stopped because of negative experiences and then in the middle of that sort of hiatus that that lasted a lot longer than i I had ever anticipated because that is when my mental health really, really started to turmoil, like as we've just discussed about that was all happening in the midst of like in the middle of my my break um and but during that time, I was still looking at all of the pageant stuff on Facebook. I had all of the girls on Facebook and on Instagram, and I was still watching it. And I was so longing to be there. Like I so wanted to do it. Um, but in myself at that time, it was just that constant, I'm not good enough. Like I I can't do that. I'm not good enough. Um, I hate myself. I, you know, no one's going to want me around when I'm like this, um, when I'm dealing with this. And I think, so that sort of fuel of seeing that obviously my mental health was what stopped me from going back to pageants for such a long time. Um, but at the same time, like seeing the pageant stuff to an extent did make me worse because seeing all of these other people, again, it's now the people only share the highlights on their social media, you know? So I know that not every single, like those, those girls don't look like that every single day. I mean, I am one of them people now, like I do not look like this every (laughs) single day. Uh <laughs> in fact I very rarely look like this. Um so but at the time like seeing that definitely sort of solidified my feelings of not being good enough. Um but I don't know whether I attribute that to pageant so much. That is just like a general social media thing because I think even if it wasn't pageant girls that I was following, I would still be getting that feeling of, you know, the influencers, like I'm not good enough. And It's that social media as a whole, I think, rather than pageants. Since coming back to pageants, my mental health has improved dramatically. Like it has helped me so much because it's something that I enjoy and I love. And it's given me a way to talk about my eating disorders as a platform and raise awareness of it and something I'm really passionate about. And having those discussions has helped me accept the way that I am. And knowing that having those discussions is helping other people will has also helped me sort of feel better about myself. And I'm getting positive receptions. I'm getting messages from people thanking me for talking out about it um, and just generally being really positive and kind, which, as I sort of mentioned earlier, has not been my experience for most of my life with my eating disorder. So pageants giving me the confidence to actually talk about this stuff has not only helped me, my mental health, by accepting myself, but also has helped because, you know, I'm getting maybe, I mean, it makes it sound kind of bad, actually, but it's kind of getting that validation that I'd always wish I'd had when I was younger. Like, I don't need it now. I don't need it now. And, like, people saying thank you, it's great, but I don't need people to message me and to comment to know that what I'm doing is a good thing. Um, But younger Jordan would absolutely love it because it's what she always wanted and so now I just sort of look at it like I am the person that I wanted to be when I was younger but also the person that I needed when I was younger so I just hope that I can be that for other people
0: yes it's not yeah it's not needed but I know for some like it's it's nice to to send that message out to know that you are making a difference because sometimes in the darkest moments that you get you're like why am I still doing this like why do I need to talk about it so much and it's yeah it's that validation and it's not a bad way of saying it because that's the same with these queen chats you know it's is validating to someone else who may have been in the same experience you to go yes, like someone else has done it. I'm not alone. Um, it's a weird validation because, like, you know, it's sharing the trauma. oh,
1: 100,
0: <laughs> sharing the trauma. But um, you know, like through this, more pageant girls have shared their stories because it's not the taboo subjects that we once thought it was. We need to talk about these things because you know. It happens. Um, and obviously with your platform of sharing different um eating disorders and talking about those experiences, um people are going to learn a lot more and discover more about themselves. So although yes, validation it is needed, um these whole things are needed. It's chatting, we're just
1: talking away. Yeah. Um... No, I was gonna <laughs> say, like in terms of that, like you say that sort of validation for me that was actually getting my eating disorder diagnosis that I had, you know. I'd known I'd suffered for a long time and I knew something wasn't right. Everyone around me knew that something wasn't right. But finally getting that diagnosis was such a huge validation for me because that was me realizing that I'm not on my own. Like this is a, this is a registered illness. This is something that people know exists. And, you know, it's been given a name, which means there are other people out there that suffer with it. Like I cannot be on my own, like there is no way that there would be a and a name for a disorder that only one person suffered with um so that in itself was a huge validation to me because that was just like like, all of that time I thought I was alone I'm not um there are other people and there are other people I can talk to that have had similar experiences that make me then feel less weird and less strange so yeah like you say sometimes validation is often made like seeking validation is often made out to be a very bad thing like people that need it all the time but actually sometimes it is just nice. Mm,
0: It's yeah especially is especially in mental health you know you feel so out of place sometimes and once you actually have a terminology because I mean some people don't like a terminology um of their illness but for others it is that wow that actually is something for me this is this has a name this is a reason why um, you know, and it's not just mental health, there's obviously other mental condition, not mental, other physical conditions and things like that. Um, that for especially for women would take years to, to get a diagnosis, which is always yeah. oh, it's, it's just women are just so fun in medical situations, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love it. Oh. Um, but thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, where can people find you on social media to learn more about um eating disorders but also about your passion story
1: so my name is obviously jordan louise smith jordan louise is double barreled it's hyphenated so you can find me on facebook um my page is my own name so you'll find it that way and my instagram is jord_smith. smith with two h's at the end um and that i also share all of my pageant journey on there and actually linked in the bio of my instagram is also my facebook page so it's a nice little full circle for you there
0: well that's what we like well thank you so much for speaking to us today and also to all the listeners uh you would have already had an amazing christmas but have an amazing new year